Good morning. If you want to open your Bible to Matthew 13, I'm going to spend uh, just a very few minutes there in just a few minutes. And, uh, it's been uh, it's a good day. I'm glad to see the sun. I'm glad to see uh, see all of you. I'm excited for uh, for what this day means as we get ready to. Uh, begin a new series together that I'm going to tell you more about in just a few minutes. But we got off to a really good start uh, last week with our day of dedication. Uh, I heard from several people that said that that was the most moving or that was the best one, that was the most powerful day of dedication that they'd ever experienced uh, since we started doing those back in, in 2012. And it, <coughs> I have to admit, it is, a, it is a moving spectacle to watch members of the body of Christ gather around in small huddles at the prayer stations, praying over the ministries, praying over the life of this church, praying for one another, huddling together, arms around each other, tears being shed, shed smiles being exchanged as we move from, from, from station to station. It was just such a, a day, such a powerful day. And, you know, I look forward to that day of dedication every single year. It's also last Sunday where we launched our theme that's going to be our focus for the rest of 2019, and it's Go Deep. And it's kind of going to be kind of interchangeable. You'll hear us use it in different ways. Sometimes it will just be deep. And that is more of a challenge when we say it that way. But it also means we're going deeper. We're going deeper together. We're going deeper with God. And so you'll hear it used kind of interchangeably throughout the rest of this year. As we said, doing this, we're trying to go deep in our understanding of God, our theology. We're trying to go deeper into the Word go deeper into our faith, go deeper into our, into our service, go deeper into our understanding. And so that's you know the things that we are doing this year, the message series, the teaching series, are all designed in that way to help us go deeper. And I'm excited by the class that started on Wednesday night, uh, The Road Back to You where we're looking at what is called the Enneagram, which is a, a, just an ancient personality type that's got a lot of theology behind it, a lot of you know, looking at what our makeup is. And I think in doing that, it helps us to better understand who we are. When we better understand who we are, then we better know what God created us to be. The more we know about that, the better we treat one another and those around us. So I hope you'll come back this Wednesday night as we get ready to, uh, to really begin that class in earnest. This past Wednesday was kind of the, the overall, kind of the, uh, the intro, but this Wednesday night we are really going to jump into it and it's going to get good. I'm looking, uh, I'm looking very, very, very much forward to it. But today we start a new series and it's, it's going to be a little bit different and I'm excited about it. And here's the name of it right here. It is parables, parables from the people. 
and it's based on, you know, what we were doing back during the fall. You know, we were meeting at my house around my fire pit on Wednesday nights, or at least that was the plan until Mother Nature took over and only allowed that to happen a couple of times. But in those few times we did it, we had some really, really good discussions. And I thought, well, I want to continue this. And I already had an idea for an opening series. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, we didn't get enough of these parables in. So why don't we take this series, this message idea that I have, and let's just wet it with the parables, and let's just keep going, and we'll call it Parables from the people. So that's what we're going to do, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a second. But people love a story, yes or no? We love stories. You know, it's no surprise, it's no surprise that the best-known parts of the Bible are, you know, the creation story, or Noah's Ark, or David and Goliath, the story of, of Samson, you know, the birth of Jesus, you know, those are the stories that when you think of the Bible, that's the ones that kind of jump off the page because stories stay with us. And just like the stories in the Bible, every single one of us also has a story. We also have things that go, have gone on in our life. There are things in our story that we are supremely proud of. We've had some good accomplishments but there are also things in our story that we might not be so proud of, okay? There are things that we've said or things that we have done that we're not as proud of, but it all makes up our unique story. And together, as the body of Christ, we get to participate in a shared story. And that's the story of Jesus. I thought Doug posed an absolutely brilliant question to us during his communion meditation as he asked us whether we would spend time with one another if we didn't have this connection of the body of Christ and maybe for a lot of us that answer would be no you know had I not been baptized into Jesus I wouldn't probably live in South Georgia I would probably still be native to North Georgia where I'm from it would not have brought me here you know had I not been baptized into Christ I would not have met my wife you know, and so when you begin to think about it that way, you see how God pulls all these people together and interweaves all of these stories into one big, brilliant story. And that's the story of God. And that story of God is also, it's also our story. So some stories are good. Some stories are hard. We tell stories because stories talk about life. They talk about our ups and our downs. They talk about our joys and our sorrows. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be doing just that. But it's not just any stories that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about a special kind of story that we know as a parable. Now, that we probably have heard that word before. We kind of know that it at least is a story, but we might want to ask that question a little bit deeper. What is, what is a parable? Well, there's several answers that we can offer for that. Number one, you know, one of the, the, the most simple answers 
is that they are Jesus' favorite method of teaching. A full third of his teaching in the Gospels, in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a third of his teaching is in the form of parables. With more than 67 examples of, of similes and, and metaphors. So here's a, uh, here's a short definition, if you like to take notes. Here's a very, very short definition of what a parable is. It is an earthly story with a spiritual truth. An earthly story with a spiritual truth. It also could be thought of as an earthly story with a, with a heavenly meaning. And those are good, you know, short, kind of easy to remember. Those kind of give us a, a good working definition. But there's actually more to the nature of parables that we need to understand. And here's where we dig a little bit deeper with this. A parable is a spiritual test that hides truth from those who don't seek it and reveals it to those who do. The listener is responsible for what is heard. In other words, the listener, us, as we hear the parables of Jesus, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to hear what is there. The, the listener is responsible for what is heard. Parables allow others to be spectators, not curious enough to push forward and ask the meaning. Ultimately, ultimately parables are an invitation to faith. In short, in short, Jesus would find something in everyday life, and, and, and he would use that as his example. He would pick something that, that people could relate to, something that maybe it was an occupation, or maybe it was something in agriculture, something surrounding him. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus just looked around and said, life is like a ficus plant. Let me tell you why. You know, because I think Jesus worked that way. He would find everyday objects, everyday tasks, everyday people in everyday situations, and he would use it allegorically. He would use it to tell a story, to make a, a deeper point. And the way he would use it is always to reveal the nature of the kingdom of heaven, to talk about faith, you know, to challenge the people that were listening, or to talk about the, the love of God. That's what Jesus did with these, with these parables. And, you know, there, you really do have to do some work, and there's some great parables, and there's some good stuff in them, but it's not always easy to know what they mean. Sometimes Jesus helps us out, okay, because he'll talk about one parable, and then the disciples like a lot of us, they don't understand it, so say, hey, what do you mean by that? And so he explains the parable to them. But then there's other times where he gives no explanation about the parable. And so we have the job of trying to interpret what that parable is. Okay? We are responsible for doing the work. We're helping try to figure out what that that meaning is. Look at the first part of that definition again. It's a spiritual test that hides truth from those who don't seek it. In other words, if you're not interested or if you're not listening for it, then it's just going to be a story 
But if you are of a mind of Christ and the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God, then you realize that when Jesus tells one of these stories, that there's something deeper. There's something there, and that's for us to discern and to listen to. And that's why it is that they are an invitation. They're an invitation to faith. So that leads us to a question then. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Well, fortunately, we don't have to look very far because the text answers that for us. Look right here from Matthew 13. The disciples came up to him and asked, Why are you speaking to them in parables? Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you, but it has not been given for them. Remember, they are an invitation to faith. Remember how Jesus would say, He or she who has ears, let them hear? In other words, listen for something deeper. You know, you're sort of listening, uh, listening for, the, for the weight behind the words. Does that make sense? And so that's one, of the, that's one of the answers he gave. But then he offers this in Luke. He says now, and this is another reason why he uses parables. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. So in, in some instances, he's teaching and he's talking about evangelism. But in other instances, like in Luke 15, that you're going to hear from in about five, uh, five weeks, you'll realize that the parables that he tells in that chapter are a response to a judgmental heart and a judgmental spirit on behalf of the Pharisees. You know, he's, they're looking down on Jesus and they're judging the actions of Jesus because Jesus is eating with people that they believe he shouldn't be eating with, okay? You don't want to know who the people he's eating with are? People like you and people like me, okay? The, the, the non-professional you know, religious folk, okay? That's who he's eating with. The people that are considered unclean, the people that are considered the, the outcasts. And so they're talking about it. Why? You know, why does he do this? And so Jesus tells him, tells these guys three parables. He, got, he talks about the lost sheep, he talks about the lost coin, and he talks about the lost son. All, all the while trying to get these guys to understand that this life of Christ isn't about making sure you get all the rules absolutely perfect. This life of following Christ is making sure we follow the law of love, which is love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's, that's what it's about. And so he's, he's, that's one of the things he does. He's talking in parables to people who have marginalized those like the religious leaders did. Those listening to Jesus both now and then will move into deeper insights of His kingdom. For those who reject what Jesus is saying, like the religious leaders, then what happens is then the parables then function as a judge, 
and as a critique against their life because as we know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they weren't interested in doing those kinds of things. But Jesus is saying this is what life should look like and so it becomes a judge, it becomes a critique against them. So we ask the question then, we ask the question, who are the parables for? Well, number one, they're for Jesus' disciples. Why? So that they could understand, so that they could have insight, so they could gain more knowledge, and not only that, so that they can go and really put one of the parables into practice of sowing the seed, of sharing the good news with others about the kingdom of God. And of course, we know, we know that that happened. How do we know that? By the very fact that we're sitting here at five minutes till 11 on a Sunday morning gathered to worship God. Okay, that's, that's proof that they succeeded in their mission. So the parables were for Jesus' disciples, but they were also for the crowds. The crowds of people that were following along. And we know that we know that, that some people, you know, they loved Jesus. They loved what he was about, but not everybody was completely dialed into what he was doing. They were just sort of caught up in the moment. Here's this great speaker. He's doing all of these great things. And, you know, not everybody is down with the lifestyle that Jesus is, is talking about. Okay, and, and Jesus lets us know that, right? Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, right, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, you know, uh, narrow is the way. Okay, only a few are going to find it. Okay, he's not saying I'm only going to let a few of you in. He's going to say, look, only a few of you are going to get there because only a few of you are really going to pick this up. And even though it might be narrow, it's still broad enough to contain the, all of humanity. But the fact is that most people, or a lot of people, aren't going to choose that way. And there were a lot of people in the crowds that they liked Jesus, and they liked what he was doing, but some of the stuff he said they couldn't contend with. That passage that Doug read in communion got Jesus in a whole, whole lot of trouble. Because they said, what do you mean? You want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? And it said that after that, statement that the people missed that a lot of people began to turn away from Jesus after that. We'll hit that in the spring. So there's your little nod as we get to the I am statements later in the year. But they were for the crowds. But they were also for the religious leaders, just like we talked about a few minutes ago. There at the beginning of Luke 15, you have these guys and they're judgmental about Jesus. They don't like what Jesus does. They don't like that he doesn't do all the ritual uh, washings and all of these other things. They don't like some of the things that he says, and Jesus says a lot of stuff for the benefit of the religious leaders. Sometimes I think it's a direct shot, like a direct critique, but also I think it's also like, look, you guys have got to pay attention to this because this is what really, really matters. You know, and he would use metaphors to talk about them. He would say you're like a cup that's clean on the outside but inside it's filthy. You know? You're like open graves. You're like vipers. 
You know, he, he goes into all of that stuff in Matthew chapter 23 where he talks about these religious leaders. But a lot of his parabolic teaching was for the benefit of the religious leaders. And then lastly, who are the parables for? They're for us. They're for us today to invite us into a deeper faith in Jesus. Now, as if you were able to come to uh, parables from the pit, the couple of times we had it, you know, then you realized, or if you've read the parables before, then you have re- you realize that those parables, even though you know they're two thousand years old, they still uh, they still speak to us today. They have a lot of application. There is a lot of of teaching and universal truth that Jesus laid out in those stories for us that we apply to our lives today. So that's who the parables that's who the parables are for right there. So what this series is this parables from the people it's an outgrowth from parables from the pit. Because we really weren't able to, to unearth those treasures. There's you a nod to, to a parable that's coming up, by the way. We weren't able to, to dig deep and really get into those the way we wanted to. Now then, I said I had this unique idea that I wanted to try that came to me uh, back during the, uh, during the fall uh, of last year, where I thought that uh, it would be kind of cool to do a series that was kind of cooperative. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are about five or six guys in this church that are very talented communicators of the Word. You realize that? Yeah? Yeah, there are. And, you know, for a church our size, that's pretty unusual to have people that can step in and, and preach and teach. You know, you might have one person, maybe two I have the luxury of having five guys that can step in and deliver a word from God and it be meaningful and touching and, and, and powerful. And so I had this idea that I wanted to do a series with my preaching team where we found a book and each person took a chapter and we kind of broke that down. I thought, eh, who wants to read a book? Nobody wants to do that. And then it occurred to me, you know, we've got all these parables left that we didn't get to finish why don't we take the parables and just apply them to that idea? And so, uh, you know, we just we plugged them in. I ran it by the guys. They were like, yeah, let's do this. Pick your parable, and then we'll start breaking them down. And so that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen over the next six weeks is that we're going to be diving into the parables, okay? That also means that for five weeks you have a break from my voice which is also good for me because, as you can hear, it's, it's weak. But you're going to hear from other voices. You're going to hear different perspective as we divide this, this series up and each, uh, and, and each take a turn. And it's interesting that, uh, that as we do this, uh, as we dive into the, the six chosen parables, you'll notice that they are, they're grouped in a couple of different ways. And the first three parables... Uh, that will begin next Sunday. The first three parables come straight out of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and two of the ones that are going to be talked about 
come right out of this chapter right here, chapter 13, which is known as the, the, the kingdom parables chapter, where Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom. But then the second grouping, the second grouping comes from the Gospel of Luke, and, and more specifically chapter 10 and then chapter 15 that I've mentioned uh, just, uh, just a few minutes ago. Well, it's been interesting that as I was uh, putting this together and, and you know, um, doing my research for uh, this series, I came across some, some really good imagery for this. And that's what I wanted to use as sort of the backdrop to, uh, to what we're going to show, the backdrop to the, the parables. And I wanted it to be artistic looking. And so I started looking and I came across some, some brilliant artwork by a guy named Bertram uh, Pool. I want to give certain... Uh, so make sure we give certainly uh, full credit to him for his, you know, these masterful creations. But his artwork is going to be the visual backdrop for our parables. So let's talk about what you can expect for the next five to six weeks, okay? Because if you're like me, I like to know what's coming, okay? I like to know in advance. I like to know ahead because that way I can plan for it. So after today, this sort of this intro, this, you know, 30,000 foot, introduction of what parables are and what this series is about, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to start digging deep as Jeffrey takes us into Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 through 50, and he starts to unearth, pun intended, he starts to unearth some of these kingdom parables. Isn't that beautiful art there? Now then, all of them are from uh, Bertrand... Um, Pool with the exception of this next one right here, the parable of the mustard seed. On January 27th, Tim is going to be talking about that parable, the parable of the uh, of the mustard seed, and you know it's a it's a great story about a a growing faith as he shares that parable with us from Matthew chapter 13 as well. Then we get into uh, then we get into to February, and on February. Uh, February 3rd, Ken Hubbard is going to talk to us about the parable of the talents. You know, that's a great story about using the gifts that you have been blessed with, right? Now then, I'm not going to break these down very much, but every single one of us has gifts, right? Yes or no? Every one of us has gifts. How many of us, let me rephrase, are every single one of us using those gifts that God has given us? Ken is going to be talking about that, about what it means to be gifted by God and use your gift by God, but to also be gifted by God and not use the gift God has given you. Then on February 10th, Wes Baldwin is going to take us into Luke chapter 10, which is a, a brilliant passage on what it means to love neighbors as he talks about the Good Samaritan. You know, one of those passages, again, that gets at the heart of the Pharisees who weren't real interested in anybody else. But as followers of Christ, we have to love all people. Okay, and that, that passage right there, that Luke chapter 10, teaches us the idea of what true and godly neighboring really looks like. And then on February 17th, believing that John will have passed his kidney stone and be fully recovered by that point. 
John is going to take the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 15. These are two of the three parables that are in response to the Pharisee as he is going to talk about the the lost sheep and he's going to be talking about uh, the lost coin and ultimately what that is, what those are about and just the, the briefest nugget that I can give you is these are stories about a God who seeks us out at all costs. And then finally on February 24th, On February 24th, I will be here to close out the series, to bring it to a close as I get to talk about my favorite story in all the Bible, and that is the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, I I think that's the wrong name for it. I think the better name is the parable of the loving father. But it's a story, ultimately, about a father who deeply, deeply loves his children and is willing to, to, to give everything and and risk humiliation to bring a child back into the fold. And so that's what it is. That's what parables from the people will be. We're going to look at six different parables, and you will hear from six different people among us. Hear their thoughts, hear their insights, hear what they have been able to gain Because these guys, they do have ears to hear. They do have thoughts that God has given them and that the Holy Spirit has laid upon them and they're going to be sharing that with us over the next few weeks and I am extremely excited by this series and I hope that you are too. I hope you'll gain a lot out of it because I think that that you will. And I think it's going to be a, a, a tremendous blessing to all of us. So having shared that, let me me bring this to a close. And I want to talk about a living parable. How many of you shop in a grocery store on a regular basis? Or some kind of store? Just about everybody in here. Okay? Most of us, and if you've not done it, or if you don't do it, you have done it before, probably. Okay? And, you know, anybody enjoy that? Some? Wow. Okay. Different strokes for different folks. Hey, well, you've got a, you've got a fellow uh, shopping mate there in the back if, you, if y'all want to team up. Yeah, so for the rest of us normal people, you know, shopping is not fun. Nobody likes it. I don't like it, okay? You know, going to Walmart, I would almost rather have my teeth drilled than have to do that, you know? I'm totally excited about the pickup, you know, where you order it online, you go and they bring it out to your car. I'm really excited about that, all right? But that won't work for the parable that I want to talk about. And it's simply this. When you go to the grocery and there's lots of people there, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. So now then, the next time you go to the grocery store, I want you to participate in a living parable. Spend the first 10 minutes, you know, because nobody goes in the store for less than 10 minutes, it seems like. But spend the first 10 minutes of your time 
in the store just observing people. Okay, and that can be really interesting. Okay, it can be really interesting to observe people, but observe them. Okay, after 10 minutes, ask yourself, what did I see? And that answer will be that you saw people who are looking for something. Okay? Then spend another 10 minutes walking around and getting your stuff and all of that stuff, knowing, knowing that there are people who are always looking for something but may never find it. And realize that those of us who have found Jesus, we have found exactly what a lot of people are looking for. And it's our job to share that with those that we come in contact with. So there's just kind of a a modern spin of a parable that you can think about. That as we go out into the world, there are people all the time looking for something, chasing something. And it doesn't have to be groceries. I mean, people chase money and they chase fortune and fame and possessions and all this other stuff. And in and of themselves, those might not be bad things, but if that's the ultimate pursuit, then, you know, ultimately they're going to end up always looking for something. But through Jesus, we find completion. We find wholeness. We find what it means to be his, his follower. So there's a modern parable for you to think about as you go out from here. I think this is going to be a good series. I think we're going to gain a lot from it. And so if I was going to make one point, and really it's a, it's a point with a question, it's, it's simply this. It goes all the way back to the definition that we looked at just a few minutes ago. The parables of Jesus are an invitation to faith. The question is, will you accept the invitation? Let's pray together.